was famous. Dad's not so bad. He was the greatest. Say, Pop, would you do me a favor? Jason Hayes. Steven Jackson. Dion the Motivator. All right then. So welcome to the Dad's Podcast, but we're not perfect. But we're worth it. All right. So we have a special guest today in the house. Well, not even a house, I guess the virtual house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I'm in my house. <laughs> <laughs> we got Mr. Will Alexander. What's good? How you doing, sir? Hey, welcome, man. welcome. Hey, I uh, appreciate you having so me. What's going on? I'm you know, right. you know. It makes me very happy to have him here right now uh, because it's um, my line brother, Alpha Phi Alpha, you know, I always say, you know, my line brother here and very smart guy, man. We, you know, we're very happy to have him on here. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, he'll be able to give us a lot of information, especially with the environment that's going on right now, uh, not just in the United States, but around the world. And I appreciate that. And I got mixed feelings about being here with Steve, but um, <laughs> I like y'all, so we good. Oh, uh, you, you know, you got to give us any type of like uh, ammo on Steve. So some, something that embarrasses. We can put that on what? online. Everything. Bro, I got, yeah, here we go. Hey, hey <laughs> I got, I got the email ready. I, I gotta Please do. don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> we need this. We need. We need all the Steve stories. Do not pictures do and it. everything. All right, all right. Let's go. This, so is, Steve, not, this is, is not. This is not. Hard, like no, 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 no. <laughs> Yo. You play some D4L, Steve might start dancing on the screen. Oh, I just might. I, I, I am, I am, I am ATL to the core. <laughs> I thought they know. They know. Hey, if it's a party, I just start. I start getting it. Yeah, yeah, watch out. No, but Will, you know, we really want you to kind of tell us about yourself and just how you uh, got um, became the clinical director at the at Two Chairs. Uh, definitely great organization uh, that he is now running, and we're very excited to have him on there. So just tell us about your journey. Oh, man. Uh, the journey, is, uh, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, man. I've been doing um, clinical work. I'm a marriage and family therapist. been doing this for uh, the past decade plus now, which seems like a long-ass time. Um, I started working in community mental health, working with kids in the foster care system, uh, teens, young people, their families, um, helping them navigate that system, and also uh, a lot of young people that uh, were impacted by juvenile justice. Um, I worked, I, I think I worked in that system for probably the majority of my career, so probably seven, seven and a half years, um, working with those folks and those families that um, impacted by poverty, you know, mostly black and brown folks. Um, and, and seeing how systems treat treat our folks. Um, for the past couple of years, uh, I've been working in philanthropy, worked in philanthropy for about a year and a half, um, doing grant making and um, helping nonprofit organizations grow their mental health program in the Bay Area, which was really, really cool. Um, and then I moved to uh, Two Chairs, where I, I do a lot of clinical work, but I also just oversee um, a pretty great team of psychologists and, and other clinicians um, that are seeing adults um, for a, for a variety of different different things. So um, I also have like a small private practice. Um, see folks in the community. Um, 
and that's really my passion, man. Just just helping folks navigate navigate tough times. Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. Like, um, you know, I know you were talking about your time with the criminal justice, or you're working with a lot of this um, young adults there, the adolescents there. What was one of the biggest issues that you think you saw during that time, uh, with especially just you know, especially like what's going on right now with African American men, oh, and yeah. and men of color in general too. It, I mean, that's a big question, man. That's that's a that's a big question, and I mean, overwhelmingly, you see the effects of of poverty, of oppression, of systemic oppression, of of a system that is that it was created to you know help kids, but that is also keeping kids in the system, right? So, um, yeah, over. I mean that 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 part of my career um was awful honestly um seeing folks kids that look that that look like me come in and out of out of juvenile hall prison jail over and over and over again um and by design right um very much by design right so you got you got yeah systems that just keep kids and young people and young adults uh flowing in and out of the system um those tough man yeah, those are, man, it's just, you know, when I look at now what's going on, um, especially with the young, with this whole movement uh, that's going on with everybody protesting and the peaceful protesting and some of the non-peaceful protesting that's going on. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier and it was talking about how these young adults are in their 20s. 21, 22, who are out there right now. And if you think about it, when they were like eight or nine, that was when Obama was their president. So mm -hmm. you're talking about that young age, eight. Now, if you think about it, someone who's 18 now, they were what, six? Mm -hmm. Yeah, six when, when Obama first came in. And that's, they don't, you know, from that age, that's when they start to really learn and things like that. And they saw that. And then they see Trump and to what's going on now, it, I feel like this generation is completely different than our generation in the sense of mm. not completely different. I want to say completely, but they're very yeah. different on their viewpoint because now you're seeing people walking out and it's not just black people. I'm seeing Asians, white people all around the world, you know, Paris and things like that. And because they have the internet, they're able to see everything now firsthand and yep. because of the generation they're in of who they saw as president where the country was and then how mm -hmm. we fell off all that is really one of the things that's pushing this movement and what i love because you're seeing this going on we don't have tv there's no sports going on right now mm -hmm. you know what i mean people we what is it now close to 40 million uh Americans without jobs. Yeah. So you have that going on. There's no sports, no new TV shows. No distractions. No yeah. distractions. So it makes people look okay. and see that video and see what's going on. So, you know, yeah, um, I agree. You know, I just wonder, like, with this generational shift as well, um, what do you guys think or feel that needs to be done, the next steps that mm -hmm. should be done in the movement to kind of push it forward? I think just really for me, just really coming together and understanding like 
that's the that's the, the biggest question. Like, what do we do? Um, and I know without people coming together and using our resources and you know getting professional help, like like you know with William, um, and also you know looking at politics and, and, and other things of that nature. But really, just coming together as one. And when I mean one, I mean one as a unit, as all people of us, just really coming up with a plan systematically to combat what's going on. Um, you know, it starts in, in in the White House. You know, with with us. You know, getting the people that we want in office to that you know supports our agenda. Um, how can we do that? Like you said, the young people they're they're getting together right now, man. And um, I think once someone of that generation really steps up and start pushing and promoting um, unity with in, in amongst the polls, I think then that's when we can start to make some real change. You know, what you're saying is uh, if you look at it from the top down and to come together as one, usually you need to have like a foreign boogeyman, right? Like, oh, it's mm -hmm. these people coming yep. in. And then we come together like, oh, yes, they're the enemy. But, you know, as they say that when you're by yourself, you know, that's when you see that, hey, you know, your biggest enemy is yourself, right? And once you think about, like, especially the younger generation, you know, they have a lot more time to themselves, and they're able to see these things of what's going on, and so you get, like, more of a revolt. So, like, William, I got a question, like, um, first, like, how do you get people to actually say, hey, I want to get counseling, whether it be marriage, whether it be, you know, uh, family counseling, because, like, me personally, like, with my wife and I, I'm like, hey, I don't need counseling. Like, yo, I'm pretty sweet. We good. Like, yo, I got a book, you know, like, yo, we, you don't like this. I don't like this. All right. Let's get, so, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot to, to actually take that step. So like, what do you see is like some of the best ways to get people to realize that, Hey, I need personal counseling or, you know, marriage counseling. How, how do you get people to do that? Uh, man, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I think one, because I can't sit in front of everybody. Right. I think, mm -hmm. Once folks come in the door, I'm able to explain therapy in a way that feels like meaningful and relevant to them. Um, outside of that, though, I think, I mean, one, this, this younger generation has been, is far more open, yeah. far more open to therapy than, than, than our, like our generation, previous generations, right? Um, and, and I think part of it is just exposure. Um, Part of it is like France talking about it, social media talking about it, stigma is, is definitely coming down. Yeah, yeah. But if for like us, older folks, um, when I when I like talk to friends about about therapy, it's really like, you know, I understand like like a black man, like a big hurdle for us coming into therapy is shame, right? It's like if 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 I need therapy, like and something's wrong with me something i'm not enough right i'm not an i'm not a good enough dad i'm not a good enough father yeah. i'm not a good enough husband and that 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 the shame never leads never like never leads to like a positive outcome right like however you look at it um so when i explain that like it's like hey I like you, 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 we have friends, right? We talk about things with friends. Like I got Steve, Steve's my line brother. I've known this mm -hmm. dude for, I don't even know, 15, I don't even know, it's a long time, time. <laughs> a long time. Right. And no matter how close Steve and I are, like I have stories that I will tell myself and I will tell Steve that may or may not be true. Like they don't have the, the truth 
right? Is it's mixed up and, and exaggerate, exaggerated, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and the therapist is gonna come in and be like, "Yo, let's let's like like let's talk about the truth, right?" Mm-hmm. Bell Hook said like the 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 biggest thing, the biggest part about healing is like speaking your truth, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the start of it. And we tell we tell ourselves and we tell other folks lies and we don't even like pay attention to know about our conscious about um because we've been doing it for so long so um yeah just trying to get people in the door therapy is tough once they're in there i'm i'm, I'm decent i keep it keep them in but i think just uh, the continued um talking about like the non-judgmental because that's the most that's the most important piece about therapy is it's non-judgmental i'm not going to sit here and give you advice i'm going to talk through things i'm going to reflect notice patterns all that but yeah, it's tough. So like, what's like one of like your your major, I guess I want to say go tos, but like one some of the best ways to get them to break down those those walls or the clothes. Uh That's a process, man. I think folks that are against therapy are are folks that are like ah, therapy is useless. Therapy therapy is for for people that are crazy, right? Those are the folks that are hardest to get in the door. I think those folks, you know, our friends, our family it's just constantly it's just reiterating man. it's like hey like the the things you went through this idea like i'm okay i made it like all this crazy stuff happened to me as a kid but like i ended up okay right yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> trust me I've, I've we've got we've got that look from him if i tell you all 16 of us have gotten that look from like, this guy at least once. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't know how you just handle that is like the most emotionally healthy way of handling that. Like, and trying to like point out different ways of handling it. Um, but a friend or a person that cares about you may not be the best person, right? Because there's there's a lot of things, shame that comes along with it. There's judgment. There's a feeling like I'm inadequate that comes along with it. But with the therapist, you can get it out and work on creating new new ways of interacting with folks. So. I think my go-to is always just explain like, hey, some things work for you and some things don't. Like, let's 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 figure out the things that don't and 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 change them. You know, when we have we all have kids. You know, uh, we're all dads here. How can we or identify if our kids are having issues? Um, what are some things that we can look at or we can see or suggestions mm-hmm. when we might see this? Maybe something's wrong with our kids. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, when I talk to parents, it's always about attunement, right? We talk about attunement a lot. It's like paying attention to your kids, knowing your, your kids, right? So it's, it's understanding when there's a change in behavior, a change in mood, um, a change in the way they eat or interact with you all or interact with friends, right? Whether kids are having like mood swings, uh, they're expressing fears or worries, um, it's those kind of things that 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 are easily missed, right? Like, if you're a parent or a father that is like working super hard on their career, mm-hmm. also working on their marriage, also trying to figure out how to be a good dad, and like caught up in just like the hustle and bustle of like I gotta feed this kid, I also gotta do send an email, I also gotta like. Man, I need I need also need some whiskey a little bit because mm-hmm. my shit my, my day is rough. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, all of that going on, 
and that that some of it will take away from your ability to be attuned with your kid right and that's the most important thing, right? Because if you're not attuned to your kid, you're gonna miss out on those small cues um, that are telling you that are calls for help saying, I, I'm, I'm struggling right now, right? Um, and that's been a big thing during during COVID and, and the, right, I mean, protests, it's like, but mostly COVID, right? It's because kids are like, they've been taken out of school, taken from their friends, like all that's going on. We've had parents coming like, my kid just told me they were sad. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he hasn't seen his friends in two months. Yeah. Dude is struggling. Like, you haven't noticed all of the cues? And then we go through, it's like, what have you seen? It's like, oh my God, I just I just haven't been paying that like good of attention. I'm like, yeah, the biggest part of being a parent, like a great parent is just being attuned to your kid, man, paying attention, knowing when things change. Yeah, yeah and I was actually going to ask that question of um, what lasting effects do you anticipate or maybe you anticipate with what's going on now? Uh, I mean, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I don't, I don't think we'll know for, for years to come, right? Um, a lot of the younger kids, toddlers, they don't know what's going on, right? They just know that they like were in daycare and now they're not in daycare. And they spend a bunch of time with dad and mom. Um, I think for the other kids, if, if parents are watching TV, right? Kids are perceptive. They know, they know what's going on. There's no doubt. like kids understand what race is um they understand that we're staying inside they understand like our parents are anxious about cleaning stuff right so i mean i anticipate the biggest thing will be anxiety coming up right um that's that's just an anticipation i guess because you know food comes to the door what are parents doing like parents moods escalate right it's like oh i gotta clean this i gotta clean that I gotta make sure we're all right. And it's like, kids are watching this entire thing, right? So I anticipate we're gonna see like higher levels of anxiety showing up. Um, but again, that just points to like this idea that like parents, dads, you gotta put on your mask first, right? You gotta manage your own anxiety. You gotta manage your own stuff before um, you deal with the kids because they, they will they will pick it up and carry it forward for the rest of their lives. So. Um, they count on us to, to maintain a, a like a, a calm outlook. Now, now I know you spoke about anxiety. Um, what do you recommend um, to help deal with some of the anxiety without going to a counselor? Cause like my, myself, I'm going to a counselor. I've been going to counseling like the last four months. Nice. And my counselor is referring me outside um, to someone who's trying to give me medication and, mm. and I necessarily mm. don't want to take the medication. Mm -hmm. um, so like, what are some things that you can suggest um, that I can incorporate in like my daily routines or other yeah. fathers who may not even, you know, be in a position to go to counseling. Um, yep. But what, yep. what are some things that they can like incorporate in their daily routines to help with that inside? Yeah. Um, that's big, man. I think one, like it's about, we, we talk about self-care a lot, right? And it's like, what is self-care? Like, is it me going to get a massage? Is it me like playing golf? Is it me having a beer at the end of the day? Like, what is what is it really? Um, and it's, it, it's about building a routine in which you're able to refresh, rejuvenate yourself in the day-to-day, -day, throughout the day, in the moment, 
to take care of your mental health, to bring down anxiety, bring down stress, bring down like, like get yourself up. Like, so I think for me, a big thing, and, and I think apps are great, right? I'm a huge, I, I live in the Silicon Valley, um, huge, huge fan of apps. The Calm app is one of my favorite. Um, I use it daily. Um, I think it's one of one of the apps that does an amazing job at at um, helping folks create routine, right? I think the hardest part the hardest part for parents for dads is like breaking out of the day to day. We're so stuck in like we got a routine, we do it every day, we know it. Like there's no room. I don't have any time for this. And I'm like, no, nah, you got two. <laughs> You got two to five minutes to like take some deep breaths, relax, sit back, close your eyes, go outside, take a walk, watch a video, YouTube video. Like you got, you got something to do that you enjoy that can refresh you to, can bring you back down. Right. Um, meds are definitely an option, not an option for everybody. Um, and not always great for everybody, but I think, you know, you got, you, you have to create, there's a few, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. There's a, that's a big question, man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question. It really is, man, because it's, it's, it's hard. But I think for folks that are struggling with it on the day-to-day, you got to find times where you're the most stressed out, the most anxious, right? You got to identify those times and figure out ways to counteract that in the moment. Like, I know I'm the most anxious right before I have a meeting, right? So it's like, what can you do before that meeting? Or I know I'm most anxious at seven o'clock before bedtime because my kid is about to wild out. Um, like, what do I need to do to get mentally prepared for that time so that I can, like, I can actually take care of my kid. My kid knows I'm there for him. I'm creating a safe space. I'm not yelling, right? It's doing those kind of things. So. Um, it's just about breaking out of the day-to-day for me. And that's what I usually try to help folks do. You know, um, I did have a question, you know, going into, you know, the things that are going on now. Um, you know, the big thing where we're having, uh, the protests going on. And what I'm seeing from the media, specifically, not some of the media, about <laughs> it <laughs> being twisted into writing because of, um some individuals that are doing whatever we don't i don't know videos everything but for our kids you know or even for people who have teenagers at this point mm-hmm. um i had um actually one of uh, our fraternity brothers i was talking to him and his son he had his his uh four his four kids and he had his son his oldest son who just graduated uh from north carolina a&t he's also an alpha uh and uh they wanted to go protest and his younger kids wanted to go uh, to the protest as well. And he didn't know how to feel about that or what to say in a sense. So like, just from that standpoint, as a father, when you want to, you're kind of, you're not putting your kids in harm way, but there's that possibility of harm, but you mm-hmm. know, it's for a good cause. So like what, what should we do within that situation? What should, what should you do? Well, not what should we do, but like this, what should we do when we're talking to our kids <laughs> yeah, about yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one, there's a ton of resources out. Um, 
ton of resources. So there's Child Mind Institute, there's Color Lines that have created pretty good um, like frameworks for talking about kids about race and particularly about like racial violence. Um, so I would take a look at those. But when I talk to parents about it, it's, a, it's really the first, the first step to any time you talk to, to your kid is like making sure you have your stuff all right. And by stuff, I mean, it's like your anxiety, your worry, your mood. Like the best time to talk to your kid is not when you're feeling super anxious. It's not when you're feeling super angry. It's not when you're feeling like, you know, burn, burn it all down. Like this is, that's not the time to talk to your kid. Right. Um, so we got to pull ourselves back a little bit, be calm. And then like asking open-end questions, right? It's like, Hey, we will watch this. Like, how did it make you feel when you were seeing this? Like, what happened, right? It's like open questions like this. It's like, what did you think about this, right? It's giving them an opportunity because again, like I said earlier, like kids know what's going on. They've talked about it with their friends. They've seen it on social media, whether they got an account or not. They've seen it on TikTok, somebody dancing or something. Like, yeah, like somebody did some like and said some race, like they, whoa, and then said some racist shit and they're like, oh my God, right? And then, the kids saw it, so, but like that's the whole thing. Like again, kids are perceptive, and then be open about what feelings, thoughts they're they're expressing, right? And be okay with saying I don't know. Like be okay with saying I I, I don't have an answer for you, um, but let's go look it up together, right? Um, and also talking about like history, right? I think like talk about like it's talk about race explicitly. One, right? Don't don't talk around race. Don't say. You know, some people get treated differently than others, right? Because it's a kid. Kids aren't good at reading into things. Like, it's a child. Like, be explicit. And that's the best, that's the best thing for kids. And it's a, that's the hardest thing for parents. Um, because, again, it's their own stuff, right? It's like, oh, I don't know if I should say white people don't like black kids. Like, I don't know if I should say that. And, yeah. and this is my conversation with white white dads a lot, white parents a lot. It's like, I don't know if I should say that. I'm like, well, is that your stuff? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, then let's talk about why that makes you uncomfortable saying that, right? And usually that's like their, their, their own stuff. But again, it's like having an explicit conversation with kids because they know. Um, and then also like focusing on like what you're doing as a parent to keep them safe. That's the most important. You don't want kids to leave that conversation, any conversation feeling like one, you can't keep themselves you can't keep them safe and two they can't keep themselves safe so making sure you're focusing on like what you're doing to keep them safe is super important you know I've, um i heard of this um it's this thing it's called uh re uh adopting and i yeah, yeah. and I, uh so uh it was i saw this thing about it was a family uh they Ooh, got a child from that. china yeah. don't i don't know if anybody saw about that yeah they got yeah, a child who had disability that. from china <laughs> and they adopted the child, got social media famous, mm -hmm. and then readopted the child because the mm -hmm. child had more disabilities on the spectrum. Yeah, Kido was autistic. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. That. so like, yeah. I like, what is the the more that I think that is probably that's so hard to talk. It's a thin line because it's like I. I'm very angry that you would even do that because if you're adopting a child, that is yeah. your child at that point. That's, uh -huh. your, that's your child. 
and I have that feeling. You can understand how hard it could be. Yes, exactly. Uh, I understand. I, I, I completely trust me. Yeah. I, I have family members who uh, have a, ch- a child with special needs. Like, I know um, how it is. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's what kind of hurt me even more about what they did. Um, because I see such a good job of, you know, uh, how people who do have uh, children with special needs, how they how handle their kids, the patience that they have to have for it. But for them to do that, but I was also kind of not happy. I don't want to say happy, but I was I was basically happy that they gave up a child that they weren't willing to treat as their own, mm-hmm. and the impact of that on that child. I like I want to know Ooh. what are the impacts that will be on that child from experience that. Yeah, yeah, man, <laughs> man. Um, potentially. I mean, so uh, I, I, my treatment focused on attachment a lot. Um, if, you guys, if you guys don't know about attachment, it's like, it's essentially how your caregivers, um, parents, whoever's taking care of you uh, as a young, as a young kid, infant, toddler, how that relationship, the way they treat you is the most important relationship um, to a kid and their development. Um, uh, hold on, I, I got kids. Hold on. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's the dad podcast. Yeah, what happens? This is a I'm perfect expi- <laughs> This is a perfect example of what dads go through. Welcome to the father of exactly. exactly. We will be in a deep conversation. <laughs> we will get called on, huh? I'm just glad this time it's not my daughter. I'm glad it's not my daughter this time. So, I mean, potentially, though, I mean, you're saying a huge impact on this young, this young person. I think one, something like a resilient part of him is that like the, or like that comes with kids or adults on the spectrum is like this social aspect isn't there, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing that's most important to those, the, the, those folks that are struggling, like that have, that are on the spectrum is like their relationships. So if he's been with them for a while um, and, has, and has developed, what I saw on the, online is like a really positive relationship with them. Like it's really gonna be difficult for him to um, develop lasting relationships going forward. Um, yeah, man, that's, that, that, was, that, was, that was terrible. I saw that, but I think the biggest impact for him is gonna be developing trusting relationships with adults, right? That's what a kid needs, so. You know that 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 story hurts me. It really, yeah. really does hurt me. Just it like, yeah, it was it was yeah yeah. I mean, they got it online though. Folks was going in on them on this. Oh, oh, like they yeah. should. Like yeah. how I feel is if you if you made all your money off this and then off Man. this child and then you just Man. like give it away like it's a toy. Like come on, come on, bro. Like like it's that that angers me. It's like and it's, then and then put up some crying video. Yeah, you put up a crying video. It's like oh. Yeah. I don't hear you cry about this. Like it was so hard for you to do this. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, sorry, getting on a little tense. You know, I've been very emotional, especially the past uh, ten days, really, um, because I know I was uh, when I was talking to uh, uh, Dion Jason before. You know, 
they, I don't think they watched the whole video. I don't think you guys watched the whole video. And I watched the whole video. And I said, video. Um, of, uh, of, uh, what's wrong with me today? George Floyd. George Floyd's uh, uh, yeah, video. And I, and I watched it. And when I watched the video, something made me just sit there and watch it. And the hurt that I had for when he called out his mother. I, and his mother passed away. Mm. And that how it hit me so hard. I honestly started crying when I saw that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that, you know, today that they did arrest the individuals. Now we got to get a prosecution, um, you know, but it, it really had an impact. And I know it's having an impact on everybody right now uh, with, the, uh, with what's going on. And with the youth, um, how as adults can we push ourselves out of this and kind of let them take the realm? Because like right now, and this is what I'm seeing just from a lot of different people now watching the protest, is that there's not really a, people don't see not an angle, a goal. What is the goal of the whole movement right now? And I think that that's what a lot of people are trying to figure out. What is the end goal of it? What, who is leading the movement at this point? And I think um, that's a big issue, what's going on in America right now. I just kind of want to know what you guys feel about that. And, um, what do you think what we should do? Even as black men now, we're older black men. We're not the young, we're not the young guys anymore. So as the older dudes, you know, sitting there looking at them, you know, um, what should we do to get out the way? And this anybody, everybody. I want to. I just kind of want to know. I think. I think we should just support them. Uh, just stand behind them, stand with them, and, and support them, and let them know that we're here for them. You know, they have the loudest voice right now, uh, and it seems like their voice is, is you know similar to ours, but their voice can push the culture. I think a little bit faster than ours. And I think for me, it's just you know supporting them and letting them know like, hey, I support you guys. I support what you're doing. Uh, I stand with you. And like you said, basically, like, I'm out of your way. Whatever you want to do, we support it as long as it fits, you know, our agenda and as long as it, it fits what we want to do as a whole and not just benefit young people, you know, but benefit everyone. And as long as they're doing that, then I'm going to support them, you know. I'm going to support them all the way. I say uh, I stick to habit number five. Seek first to understand. Mm. I'll be understood. But, uh, I, like, in my classroom, when it got, you know, kids got a little buff. It's like, okay, well, you know what? Let's sit down. Uh, let's put these books out the way. Get in a circle. Yep. Listen. I think that's what we got to listen to. Just listen to the kids. Listen to their voices. Uh, and just listen. From a, from a family standpoint, from an educational standpoint, from a societal standpoint, listen. Yep. 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 I think we're old heads. You know, we became the old heads. So we look at them sometimes like, what y'all doing? What are y'all doing out there? And but we also have to realize as well what they're doing mm. is making a lasting impact. And we might have not done it this way, but they're gonna do it their way, and it's having some effects. Uh, that what's going on. I honestly love it. I'm glad. You know, I I don't like the looting, uh, and I'm mad that the media is showing that so much. Uh, but I understand 
why the looting. I, I understand it. Yeah. Just because, you know, I, I, I always think about it just how um, it would be if someone was angry. You know, I'm from an education background, so I always bring it back to education. Like, what I've seen is when um, I've seen a kid who's angry, like when they're usually angry, they're always fighting in the classroom and things like that. There's something else they're trying to tell me, but I haven't been listening to it. And the only way that they can show me or to get my attention to it is I need to throw something. I need to lash mm-hmm. out. You're going to see my anger and you're going to realize I'm trying to get you to understand what's going on. And mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's that balancing act that I feel that needs, to be, that needs to be going on right now. And I'm starting to see it. I'm really starting to see them now organizing in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. Peaceful protesting now. They got the anger out of the way. They got everybody's attention. Now the peaceful protesting. Very proud of the, the younger generation. Um, mentally, like I said, we got to get ourselves out the way. Let them kind of take the reins. It's their world now. You know, mm-hmm. we're just living in it. You know, I always say that about my son. It's his world now. We're just living in it. It's the yeah. same way with this generation. Um, but yeah, man, just... I had to say that, man. It's been eating me up. You know, because when you talk about the idea that, you know, you let the waterworks come out and everything, and I think that many other people as well, and what when you were saying that, you know, of course, having that mask, where we talk about, you know, uh, provide, protect, eternal, but at the same time, you know, we still have that baggage, and, you know, we have that vulnerability. So, you know, what do you say to all those guys out there that either say, nah, man, I don't cry in front of people or, you know, uh, how can you handle that emotion of that grief, anger, especially, you know, that feeling of crime? Because, you know, some people are like, nah, I'm not going to cry in front of my kids. You know, that's, that's a sign of weakness. So how would you handle that? What, what, what would you say to people out there like that, especially the father? Man, is this a question for me or a question for Steve? <laughs> oh, no, a question for you. Yes, sir. <laughs> you, you, like, you're the professor man. now. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the biggest things that that, that shows up, man, for mm-hmm. fathers, for men that I see. Um, it's that it's that that you know that that that, that feeling that 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 it, you feel it in your chest, right? And it bubbles up. It bubbles up. It's like oh, my eyes are starting to get watery. My eyes are starting to get water, and then it's like a. Yep. Hold that shit in. Hold, hold it in. in. Hold, hold it in. in. Hold, hold it in. Hold it in. Don't you let that out. Don't you let that out. And it's just all shame, man. That's it. It's all shame, man. It's like if I cry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good enough. I'm not man enough. I can't protect my family if I cry. Right. I can't protect. Can't provide in a way that is manly enough, masculine enough. Um, man stress. That's it, man. That's that's it, and that's um, one of the biggest, the biggest hurdles um, to face and change. Um, because we've taught, we've been taught it our whole lives, right? It's like we practice, we've practiced for the past, like you know, thirty plus years. How old you are, right? You've got, you've got a tremendous amount of practice at, at not crying. Yeah. And you hear the voices of folks, of our elders telling you, like, why are you crying? Mm-hmm. Stop crying. I'll give you a reason to cry. Like, no, I had a reason to cry. Like, <laughs> that was enough, right? That's what you, and that's the biggest thing is, like, the original feeling was enough, right? You got to go back to that, right? And we watch videos like George Floyd being killed. And I haven't watched it, and I've refused because I've seen enough 
enough people die on TV or in videos. Um, but when we see that and then we, we find ourselves like holding it in, like we really have to ask ourselves like how healthy can that be for, for me as a parent, for me as a dad to teach my kid that it's not okay to cry, not okay to feel sad, hurt, upset, distraught when they see someone die, right? Or they see something or they feel something, right? So um, it's tremendously important for us as fathers to, to, to get a handle on that and be able to show emotion. That's the only way, that's the only way we raise emotionally healthy kids, right? If, we're, if we are emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. And stopping, stopping ourselves from crying is not emotionally healthy. Um, but it's tough, that's the tough, that's the biggest, that's the hardest thing to change, for real. Let me let me ask you this, William. For for fathers out there um, who may be dealing with stress um, from the COVID, from all of the, the killings, from everything that's just going on, and they may have lost their job and they can't afford to go to a counselor or seek counseling. What yeah. type of resources could you recommend um, for them? You know, to take advantage of, you know, to get them through this time. Man, um, I asked. Hard question. Um, I think people people need people, right? This is the entire like my whole way of working is that they call it relational, and all that means is like relationships that we're in matter the most, and people will um, interact healthily or un in unhealthy ways in our relationships. And we need to figure out ways to, to work more healthy, more helpful ways. So for folks that don't have resources, it's about going to folks, it's about being open-minded, it's about saying, it's about asking for help. It's like, I'm struggling right now, this is rough, right? And being then open to feedback or or whatever it might be, or support, right? It's really just, it's really just support, right? You're not, you may not need like advice, right? You may not need like, but you might need a listening ear. You might need someone just to be like, yeah, this shit is rough. Like you get, you, you, you trying to work from home and you got kids that can't go to daycare mm-hmm. and you got to like trying to focus on your marriage and you got to do just the day-to-day chores like of, of life. Like, and then you got to like try to be the same during all that. Like you might just need somebody like that you can talk to and for us, as fathers like that is sometimes the hardest thing because that's not our that's not our 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 male relationships right that's not what that is at all like (laughs) our male relationships are like hey there's no basketball on we ain't got nothing to talk about (laughs) (laughs) hey man that is a serious subject like (laughs) you trying to get on 2k you trying to get on fifa like those are our male relationships right and that's like it's 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 sad because we miss out on so much support, right? Because we're all feeling the same things. And, 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 and for me, that's the biggest thing is like going going to people that you trust that you can talk to, support, right? You need support. That's that's my thing. Like you don't need to go to a therapist if you have quality support. Mm-hmm. But quality support is sometimes hard to find because we're all messed up. Yeah. <laughs> we all are. Thanks, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like Mind we me. all. Get- yeah, we are. We're all a little bit like, I, hey, I don't want to hear about you being sad today, but I'm trying to get on this game. Like, <laughs> and that's and that's one of the things I've noticed is you know, when you're talking to your boy. Sometimes you can't, you know, 
get really deep get into, into your it. feelings. Yeah, because yeah, we'll take it as sensitive, like, man up, man. You know, like, instead That's the of really. response real quick. Yeah. That is like, man up, man. You know what I mean? Who you scared of, B? Who you scared of, man? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Cuff your hands yeah. and hold your nuts, man. Cuff <laughs> your hands and hold your nuts. <laughs> I mean, we, we just haven't been taught how to support people for real, you know? So, we so just how, haven't been taught how to be there. So how do we teach our sons that? Because you know, all of us have I mean, sons now. Get some, get some therapy, you know? That's always helpful. <laughs> um, but for all, it's about being open. And under, it's like it's, it's understanding and having the insight to like recognize that like I'm I'm messed. I'm not like not necessarily like I, I need to be fixed, but it's like I got some things that aren't the most healthy. Right. And the way that I respond is not always helpful for my kids, for my relationships. And it's being open to that. That's what we can do the most, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can help other people recognize that. Like, hey, this idea that like you gotta just be like super manly, like I got this all the time, like that's not helpful. That's not that's not helpful for your kids, it's not helpful for yourself, it's not helpful for your marriage. Um it's just like, yeah, it's just being open, man. You know, this has been very informative, man. Like, you know, really being able to sit here and talk to you about this stuff because we've really been talking lately, you know, about how we, you know, mental health. Because I think I think we're all here. We're all big on mental health. Like, yeah. for me to be able to go to counseling, uh, Dion, you know, Jason as well, we all have talked about, you know, why counseling is so important, you know. Uh, and we really appreciate you taking your time to come on the podcast with us and really giving us and giving – our podcast audience, you know, some of those insights on what it is to be a father and how to be able to help your kids with some of the mental things that are going on. So we really appreciate you coming on today, man. Man, I mean, I, I think the appreciation is, is one way and it's on my side, man. I appreciate what y'all doing. I appreciate the the, the vision of this, what like the message y'all are, are creating um, and putting out to the audience. And I'm, I'm just here to like, as a as a as a honoree, man, I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah, man, before you leave, you gotta take the uh, the father quiz. Oh, oh yeah, oh no. father quiz. Here it is. Ready for it to go? Oh, oh, rapid fire. Rapid fire. All right, number one. The best TV dad. Best TV dad. Um, my wife, my wife and kids. Okay. Uh, oh, that's a good one. The best movie dad. Best movie dad. Damn. Come on, come on. <laughs> that's a rough one. Best movie dad. I don't know. I'm not good with movies and names, man. <laughs> all, all I know is all I know is I've watched Moana about 16 times in the past four days. That's all. That's all I know, man. That's, that's the only movie I know. <laughs> The only movie now is just that movie, whatever movie that your kid's watching, everything else you just forgot. Yeah. That's the only movie Every I day. Hey, I, can, I can karaoke, though. I can karaoke Moana, the whole thing. <laughs> y'all trying to go right now. So we're going to say The Rock Johnson. <laughs> He's not a dad. Maui's not a dad, man. And huh? Moana's dad is all messed up. He's got his own. Don't, don't let me get into this. Don't let me get into this. <laughs> yeah, do you ever, like, like, break down, like, movie characters and, like, cartoon man. characters? Like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Moana's Moana's relationship with her dad is is really a relationship with a black father and his ideas of where 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 she should go and what she should, what she should study. But anyway, uh, question three: the happiest part about being a dad. Ah uh, man, um, there's so many. I mean, just today, I mean, you know, it's that feeling like when, 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 when the kid raises his arms to you and he's like, man, I don't want nothing else but to be in your arms, man. I just want some skin to skin contact with you. That's oh, it. Man. Like, that is the best feeling. Like, <laughs> yeah, I pissed you off for the past 15 minutes yelling at you about something, but, and I'm like, ah, God, I love this kid. Like, that's it, man. That's the best part, man. Yeah, 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 that's it. Being able to like, yeah, being able to just be there for the kid when he when he needs me. Even better, sometimes when someone tries to take him and they just oh no, more yeah, like, that's the nah, you right. I mean that's petty. That's petty. That's the petty me. Yeah, yeah, that's the petty me. I'm like ah, he didn't like you. Ah. I get I get along with all kids. They all love me. They all love Uncle Steve. Oh, no, Steve. Steve. Uncle Steve love the kids. No, Steve. No. In your journey being a dad, at what point have you cried? Oh, wow. Um, what point have I cried? I mean, it's been a few times. I think the first time that's the biggest is dropping them off at daycare for the first time. Mm -hmm. That was rough. Mm -hmm. I think, and also, the I think the hardest one was when like in the beginning, when they're born, right? As fathers, we're pretty useless. Like, what? It's all about <laughs> the relationship. It's all about like the bond between mom and and, and the kid, right? So it's like he don't want to be in your arms all the time. No. Like that was rough. I'm like, I made you. I can take you. are the lucky one in this world. I can take you out this world. You are the lucky one. All right, you made it to the egg. I think the first time, yeah, the first time he like shunned away from me and just wanted to go to mom. I was like, that was rough. I don't know if I shouldn't tear, but it was there. It might have been might have been one of those moments where I like, I felt it coming. I was like, suck it up. Yeah. Like, yeah, it might have been one of those moments. Okay. Question five, probably most important one out there. So uh, answer this one very carefully. Hmm. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? LeBron James. That's easy. Oh, okay. Yes, baby. Yes. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Thank you very much. Right, but I mean, after the Jordan documentary, it was a little rough. I had a few moments in there where I was like, it might be Jordan. I do think so. So statistic, statistically, Jordan's a better player. But as a person, human being, legacy, I think Jordan. I mean, I think I LeBron. Why? Oh yeah, one. for sure, for sure. All day, all day. Jordan's <laughs> like a like a, a Central African dictator, man. <laughs> Dude is like eating your mean on the basketball court, son. <laughs> a walking Mugabe, man. He was. He was. He was. I love to see it though. When I watch it, I'm like, mm, yeah, that's what it takes. <laughs> Mobutu Jordan. No, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just glad you said LeBron. That's all I want to hear. LeBron's hey, no great. No question. No question. Huh? 
Come on, man. This, like, thank you. You know, that we, we are one of the few people who believe that. And that's okay. But all I will say with that is that they said that Jordan gave the green light for this documentary after LeBron came back to, uh, from the Warriors. Right there in itself kind of shows me somebody was feeling the heat. Jordan was feeling the heat. Just saying. Right after this, come on now, y'all know it's true. <laughs> Jordan knew we was gonna be quarantined. He knew we needed something to watch. He knew we needed something to be entertained by. You know, he had the vision. He had the court vision. He had the court vision. I got one question for you guys. One question: If we didn't have COVID and LeBron would have won this year, mm. would that have changed your mind a little bit, Dion? Where you start to kind of be like, hmm. I don't know, man. I don't, uh, I would I would like put him kind of like like I do Kobe and Kobe and Jordan. Like Jordan is here and Kobe's like right. So you wait, wait, sorry. So are you saying that Kobe? Wait, Are you saying that Kobe is better it. than LeBron? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this yes. one thing. I'm saying it. I'm gonna say this one thing real quick. Before, I'm, listen, saying oh, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Listen, listen man. I, I saw an interview today. Let me just say this. Kobe Bryant was saying how he studied the referee book, playbook. Hey, I'm Who goes that deep? I'm gonna tell you this though. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm definitely saying resources for therapy. Because <laughs> that's wild. That's wild to me. But he wasn't even the best player on three of his championships. I was like, you can't be in discussion. And I love I love Kobe. Rest in peace, Kobe. He's one of the greatest. But he wasn't one of the best players on three of his championships. Man, he's not even top ten. Whoa. Whoa. That's what I'm just Was that too much? He's he's top ten. Hey, that hurt. That hurt right there. I say maybe. I I say maybe like eight. I give my eight or something. I take it back. Because yeah, you you said that I was like. He's top five. He's top five. I take it back. Okay. Okay. Hey, real real quick. Then while we're talking about it, we your top five all time. Oh, that's rough. I'm not. I'm not ready for this conversation. Um, <laughs> oh, you better get it right because I know our line brothers gonna get in that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I need to look at. You. you know, how I'm looking at. I can look like at Mike Chambers. He's gonna be the first one to say something. Oh yeah. About me. Oh man, I can't wait like, for him to hear this. <laughs> you know, hey, he's a Kobe hater, and I feel like I'm not ready for this. I'm. You know what? I'm gonna take a a, a page out of this therapy book. Gotta just being a real man, but and say I don't have an answer right now, but I can get back to you. <laughs> oh, nice one! I like it. I like it. I don't have an answer for you right now. I don't want to be judged. This is too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> All right, man. We we thank you very much for helping us out because this is therapy for us and helping our listeners out out there, and uh, we really appreciate you, brother. Hey, man, again, I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you. Already. Uh, Will Alexander, for y'all, thank y'all very much. And once again, uh, this is the Dad's Podcast, but we're not perfect. But we're worth it. So, this is Jason Hayes. Steven Jackson. Eon the Motivator. All right, peace, guys. All right, peace.